Welcome to the Camp Camisol Family Reunion Podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Chet Kennedy. I am the Executive Director of Camp Camisol. My camp name is Reverend Lovejoy. On today's episode of the Camp Camisol Family Reunion Podcast, Andrew Berg talks about loneliness and trusting God in difficult times during the campfire talk. In our interview, he shares about finding love out at Camp Camisol, pursuing God's purpose in ministry, and partnering with camp to build a stronger youth ministry. One of the best things, in my opinion, about Camp Camisol is the campfire talks. So imagine with me a perfect night. The skies are clear. The beautiful sunny day has given way to dusk as the campers make their way to the campfire circle. Our maintenance team has built a majestic fire that throws off light and heat as the air turns from hot to cool. And as the stars begin to blink into view, our focus turns to the campfire speaker. Hey everybody, welcome. Uh, my name is Andrew, aka Misfire, and uh, thanks for joining us at like the campfire story. This is, I know for everybody, this is different than what our normal is. You guys have been listening to this podcast and it's been a fantastic way for us to have a taste of what, um, what campfire in a sense is in terms of these stories and these talks. And so the, the one thing I'll say before I jump into to what I'm going to share is that Jesus is the same, whether we're sitting around a campfire or we're listening to this podcast. And I know we miss it. And it's good to miss that, those great and good things. Um, but we can take comfort that wherever we're listening to this, that um, Jesus is the same here as he is at the campfire circle. And he will do the same. He, he, is, he will still work even when we have to stay at home and we can't be at a camp. Um, but my prayer for this is that it speaks to whoever's listening to for whatever stage of life, wherever, whoever you are. Um, and ironically, uh, I'm going to be just touching on a little bit of my story and how it's related to camp in the area of like loneliness. Um, and, you know, you think about camp and, and you think, well, that is like, that is the one place where you would never feel lonely. Like, how could you feel lonely at camp? There's people everywhere all the time, every time. And, and I think, yes. And I'm, I, I think for, for us, though, if we need to, we, we got to be willing to, to, be, in, to be vulnerable in, in the place that, that we are. And especially in a community, a close-knit community, um, like camp, Camp Camisol specifically, that just is such a reflection of the church at its best. I've heard some people talk about camp as, as an expression of, of the early church in Acts, and I, and I love that, and I think that's true. But um, why I talk about loneliness is that I think uh, the stats say um, that 40% of 16 to 24 year olds say that they are often lonely or, or feel like very often lonely. And 
that's uh, that's a that's a big issue, and I think Jesus has something to say to it. And and so, whether wherever you are, whatever your personality is, introverted, extroverted, um, I want you to lean in because loneliness has always been a part of our experience as humans, um, especially now in the season that we're in with this, like when we when we've all been through a season of quarantine um, through social, like having to basically cut ourselves off from our community. Um, yeah, we've had Zoom, but you know, as we all are like kind of zoomed out, you don't get the social cues when you're talking to people over a screen. And it just feels like socializing is just so much more work. It's not the same as being face to face with our friends and with the people around us. Um, but social, is- social isolation and pain is far too real of a pain. And, and some studies say, that it's even more dangerous for your health than smoking or obesity. Like loneliness can be so devastating to our souls. And there's, the, there's a lot of things that go into it, a fear of, of missing out. Um, it, it, the, the whole, like when you're actually interacting with people, there's, there's cues, uh, both verbal and nonverbal, that, that can cause... A, ton of anxiety there's social anxiety there's there's so many things that cause it and and so my my question for those of you who are listening is have you ever felt indescribably alone have you ever felt alone now that might seem like a bit of a rhetorical question um, because loneliness is is not picky it's it influences and affects age, gender, race, occupation. It's, it's part of all of our experience. I was literally on Kijiji uh, one time and, and I, was, I was just curious. And, and I searched up on Kijiji. This is a real thing. If you go on Kijiji, you will find this in Calgary, um, that there is a friendship slash networking section of it. And there was 205 ads searching for friends. Seriously. Like, I, I did some looking at some of the ads, and some seemed a little sketchy, like granted. Um, so I don't know if I would highly recommend looking for or finding your next friend on Kijiji. But, but there are people who are so lonely, so desperate, and who want like, intimacy with humanity that they have gone on Kijiji and asked. And so I, I literally, like, <laughs> I, one, one, one ad in particular caught my attention. It said, I'm 26-year-old and a male, wouldn't mind some company from somebody older, no mind games, lies, or judgment, be upfront, honest, just message me about yourself. Now, I don't know if the guy was legit or not. Um, it's one of those don't trust everything you see on the internet sort of deals, but it caught my attention, so I, I thought I'd send a reply. Now, at first, it felt like I was kind of using this guy, and I felt bad, like as a social experiment, <laughs> just so I could put it in a talk and prove a point that Jesus might be able to transform the masses. But then this person sent me a response, and it was like the question they asked, like kind of cut straight to my soul. And they asked, what kind of friend are you looking for? Now, there's five things that people look for in a friend trustworthiness, understanding, support, sincerity, and loyalty. Trustworthiness, understanding, support, sincerity, and loneliness, or sorry, and loyalty. And I think if you hear that list, those are all like, we'd all check those off. 
And you can reword the question, like, what kind of friend are you looking for? What kind of community are you looking for? Um, all of that. But so let me give you a little bit of background on my life. I moved to schools like numerous times. I, I had to switch in between kindergarten, grade one, from grade seven to grade eight, grade nine to grade 10. And, and every time I would start in a new school, I literally would just like wander the hall for weeks until someone came up to me. Uh, and I learned this to be the sign of a friend. And, and the, the friendship or the relationship was initiated by the other person not me. This taught me a very isolating habit. This was not a good habit to learn. Um, and, and if whoever was going to be my friend didn't initiate, they probably weren't actually my friend. Um, I, I struggled with trying to find friends with other, other guys, um, other, like having that close-knit guy friend. And I know that's fairly um, contextual for some people, but um, it, 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 was a, it was a battle for me. Uh, camp was was always 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 a part of my life growing up not just camisole i didn't get to camisole i didn't have the privilege of going to camisole until i was an adult but growing up i'd go to different summer camps and camp ironically i because of these lessons that i had taught myself was one of the what could be one of the loneliest places in the world for me i i had a deep desire for closeness with family. And what I, what I would find is that this lesson of if somebody didn't initiate like friendship, conversation, that meant they didn't want to be my friend. So in a sense, I was almost creating my own loneliness. But it was devastating. I'd get to Wednesdays at camp and I would just be, I would just be broken. Now, I loved camp. I loved the community at camp. But for whatever reason, I, I, it was a battle in terms of socially. I felt alone and I desired true community. And I had to, I had to, I had to learn that people who don't, like usually people are just as scared of initiating relationships and friendships as I am. Um, and, and I had to start moving past that and, and, and how I did that. And I'll teach give you just like, here's my, I'm gonna, where I'm going to land the plan on this is, is what, what about camp can, um, can destroy loneliness, I guess. And, and what can we do in our day, like when you're outside of camp, when you're not at camp, that destroys loneliness? Well, I want to just look at what the Bible says about, about loneliness real quickly. Psalm 31.12 says, I'm forgotten from memory, like a dead person, like broken pottery. David talks about this deep loneliness. The Lord's Prayer, like our Father who is in heaven, it's a community prayer. It's, it's meant to be prayed together. Philippians 2 says, do, not, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, Romans 12 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is when the brothers and sisters live together in harmony. Community is a good gift. And the simple way of destroying loneliness in our lives is what Jesus taught us to do. Do for others what, what we would want them to do for us. This is, a simple fo- this is a simple, simple format. You feel alone, isolated. You'd be surprised to know that the people around you think 
that many of them are, are also battling with loneliness. We need deep soul discussions with each other. We need safe place to share our hearts and have a safe and listening ear. But often it's this fear, a fear of initiation that stops us. So here's what Jesus says. What happened in the very beginning of the Bible is the perfect communion with God was destroyed by sin. And here's what Jesus does. He restored the intimacy possible with God and with people, the church. And what Satan wants to do, what the enemy of our soul wants to do is revert the victory that was won on the cross. He wants us to feel isolated and be alone. But here's what transformed my story with loneliness was realizing that Jesus had taken the greatest initiative in my life to restore intimacy with him, with the Father, and with the Holy Spirit so that I could live out of a place of intimacy with God and my identity wasn't wrapped up in or wasn't built on my relationship with others like it could like and when that happens our lives are so shaky whether our relationships are good or bad because you know as with any relationship we can have uh, we have good seasons and harder seasons but when it's built on Jesus the one who took initiative and 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 would not let us down man that changed my life that changed the way I interacted with people that changed the way that I I saw camp I saw people, I saw places, because when I realized that I was so loved and that Jesus was willing to take initiative for me, I was then able to take initiative in relationship with other people without fear of reciprocation or lack of reciprocation. People, um, people giving that back, if you will. So for you, when I ask the question, have you ever felt indescribably alone and what kind of friend are you looking for in the five things trustworthiness understanding support sincerity and loyalty when our foundation of all of our relationships is god father son holy spirit and we entrust ourselves to him our human relationship no matter how they go the devastation of loneliness will have lost its bite when we know Jesus, we know him super well. So here's wherever you are. This is what I want you to do. This is just a quick response. I know it's kind of weird over a podcast. We're not in, we're on a campfire. We can have and sit after, you know, worship is done and we can sit and chat with our, our counselors or, or program staff, whatever. But here's, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to stop. I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about the times of your life that you've been indescribably alone. Now that you have these, these moments, these times, these places, wherever they were, here's what I want you to ask. I want you to ask Jesus, where were you in this? Show me where you were in these moments that I felt so alone. And just sit. I've done this practice so many times. And in his grace, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But sometimes he just shows me where he was when I was wandering the hall 
by myself waiting for somebody to walk up to me and, and say hi. He was with me. Jesus is good like that. He's a good friend. He's the best friend. He's, he's what our friends should be, but better. So, bless you guys. Thanks for listening, leaning in. Um, love you. We miss you. And I can't wait to see you all next year at camp, hopefully. <laughs> ah, so good. Thanks. Oh, I didn't <laughs> stop my video. <laughs> no, that's fine. I just watched you talk. <laughs> nice. That's all good. Not creepy at all. That's just, right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, let's jump into our questions. Yeah. Um, first one is just tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, and so please include you know, who you are, uh, who you're married to, who your beautiful baby is. Um, also include your camp name. Uh, that helps me. And um, then um, where you work, all those kind of things. So just kind of go off all about Mr. Andrew Berg. Okay. Well, my name is Andrew Berg. I am married to Nicole, and I have a beautiful baby daughter who's three months old today as we're recording, or yesterday, sorry. And her name is Saskia. She's amazing. We love her. Um, my camp name is Misfire. Uh, and my wife's, Nicole's name, uh, camp name is Mr. Fire, which is unfortunate. There is much confusion. <laughs> We're still pushing for a change and a reform there, but that's all right. Um, and the way I got my camp name was one, the first summer I was ever out at camp. Um, I, uh, we had like an opportunity to I don't know if I can share this on the podcast. Anyways, we, somebody brought a shotgun in and we were shooting skeet out there. And, uh, and so I wanted a chance to like throw it. And so like the, the way that you'd lock like this clay bird into this like tosser, it looked like one of those dog um, throwing, like ball throwing toys. It had like the long kind of bend and had like the teeth at the end, sort of like that. And so I was trying to figure out how to do it. And there's this guy named, a uh, guy there, his name is Adam Harrison. Beautiful dude, just an amazing human being. And, uh, and so he was teaching me how to throw this. And so he's like, it's all in the wrist, kind of got a sidearm it. And so I thought I kind of had it figured and I was getting ready to throw it. Adam moves off to the side a little bit. So I go and I just, I whip it as hard as I can. And it did not go where I wanted to. Literally, it went straight from ski thrower to hitting Adam in the back <laughs> and shattering. Oh, no. Everywhere. <laughs> He was like five feet away from me and I smoked him in the back. And so that night when we were naming, uh, we were getting our camp names, they gave me uh, misfire. And then Nicole was unfortunate <laughs> enough to sit beside me and we were engaged at that point. And they were like, oh, you're married, you know, misfire. We'll call you Mr. Fire. And that's how it all went down. Um, Brutal. Yeah, yeah, it was good times. We we're we're friends. We're good after that. We we uh, he wasn't too upset. <laughs> but uh, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor at Foot of the Lions Church in Northwest Calgary. I've been there for about four years, four and a half years, and uh, I love camp. Uh, camp has been a part of my life ever since I was a kid. I lived at a camp, um, basically like start of my life my dad was working at a, at a camp called camp caroline um we moved from there to another camp called camp nakaman where we lived for a couple of years and i've just been going to camp. 
whether it was in Saskatchewan or, or Camp Caroline or Manitou Lake and um, middle, like just by Lloyd Minster or Cam Ackerman, all these places. And then finally, as an adult, I, the, the way I got involved in camp, like, can I roll or is that, is that, am I jumping ahead? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got involved in camp, Cam Nack, oh, Cam Nackman, Camp Camisol, uh, because I followed a, a very pretty girl there, Nicole, who had been going to my wife now, who had been going to Camisol since she was like eight, like, gone every single year as a camper and uh this was she was like yeah you got to be involved you got to come you got to see just experience it totally different than probably most of your camp experiences and i was like oh yeah i mean camp is camp is camp it's beautiful it's amazing jesus shows up and it's it's great and um so i i agreed i mean i was head over here i am head over heels for her and that was some good motivation so went out my first year i was a counselor and literally um, fell in love with Camp Camus. So not only with the location, um, but with the, the, the way that it runs, like volunteer every week, different volunteers. Like I just, the, that's for me just shows the, the value of that place that people are willing to give a week of their summer on holidays, not paid and go and serve and love kids, whether it's on maintenance or cooking or, you know, program or, or, or counseling, whatever it might be, to see Jesus at work in kids' lives, um, sometimes for the first time, sometimes for the umpteenth time, and that they'd be willing to do that just blew me away. And, and I got hooked, uh, like, first year. And, and I've been, been there ever since. I kind of got launched into the director position a couple of years later. Um, and uh, I've been directing or co-directing um, now week seven for the last uh, two, three years. Wow. That, I love that story, that whole idea that you showed up at camp because of a girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, God's, God works through, through that sometimes, it's, and it's good. He's gracious. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm kind of compiling a, um, I would like to do a season of the podcast, which is like camp couples. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be super fun to, because the Camisol family, it, it goes from church to church. It's involved in a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been neat to find the amount of people who somehow connected um, at Camp Camisol, and then something romantic showed up. Um, so, yeah, Camp Camisol yeah. changes lives. Um, Jesus changes lives, but there's also been a lot of um, romantic lives changed. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. that that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Camp exactly. just keeps on giving. Keeps on giving. <laughs> I love it. So, um, so here's a question: um, How did you get to be involved um, as the director how did you move up to co-direct with um aaron that's a great question so when i started keith lee haven um was the co-director with rocket now i forget keith's camp name um yeah i just slipped my mind but he's he's a missionary over in thailand now so he was co-directing and he had been co-directing with with rocket for years and years and years and years and so when god placed on his heart 
um, to take him and his family over to Thailand and, and, and see people's lives change there. Um, he began to transition out and Rocket and I had a, had a conversation as that transition was happening um, to, uh, to step into that role. And, uh, and, and Keith did an excellent job of transitioning. I mean, it's kind of an off story, but so his last year at camp, he was there, but he was very much like hands off and, and, and not like he, he didn't want camp to be dependent on him and, and his role and the way that he'd run it. And, and so he basically had us as a program team kind of leading as a team and doing it collectively. So that's one of the things that I learned when I, when I think of myself as a co-director, there's like, there is a level of responsibility and authority, but I, the beauty of camp is that like, it's le- at least in our program team, we have a culture of leading as a team and doing it together. And so um, decisions are made collectively. And sometimes there's individuals in, in our program team who feel comfortable enough to step up and say, hey, I think we should do this. And I think it just makes the team even better. So long story short, um, it was through somebody leaving, which is sad um, because Rockets are, I'm sorry, Keith is amazing. And uh, had a great impact on on camp camisole, um, but made a space for for a guy like me to step into the role that I'm in. That is that is amazing, and it's um, all throughout our podcast we've heard similar stories, right? Someone transition themselves out of director, mm-hmm. um, but what I have been so impressed with is the vast majority of these transition stories seem to have taken a two or three year period where they kind of identified someone who would be director and then mentored and worked with them um, to make sure the transition was held um, and and done well. Um, yeah, and I think that speaks to camp and the culture of like developing leaders. Um, I think that it's, it's a safe place to um, develop, to make mistakes. Like one of the greatest things that I, one of the greatest pieces of advice I think I got was from um, Bigfoot, Les Bombardier. In, in some of our early years of uh, being there and then in my directing, he's always been just a, he's n- not just a crucial part of camp, but in, in his, his wisdom, uh, he's, he said something to the effect of one of the greatest, greatest things that we learn at camp is when things don't go to, as planned. Um, and that's honestly some of the ways that I've, I've developed as a leader the most is, is when it rains and the plan that we had, the, the, the great amount of work that's put into amazing race because that year is so much work and it pours and now we can't do it. And it kind of feels like all of our time and effort just feels like it goes to waste, but we see the way that we just need to adjust and, and make like snap decisions. Cause we've got like 90 some kids who we got to entertain and figure out how to do it. And, and our team always seems to figure out how and do it well. And, and yeah, so like learning how to adjust on the fly when things don't go as planned, that's like camp is so good for that. Yeah, that is very, very true. Cause you're absolutely right. Camp, um, can be beautiful at one moment and then just the craziest rainstorm just shows up and floods the whole camp and then suddenly all your plans go out the window and about four hours later it's back to being sunny so yeah, uh, yeah it's super confusing uh, um but that's for the best that's stories the beauty yeah absolutely so why are you still involved in camp camisole after all of these years 
That's a fantastic question. Why do I still go out once a year for a week, <laughs> uh, not at work, and come home more exhausted than when I left? Yeah. Um, it's because because I believe in what camp is. Um, I I know for you know I'm many people on this podcast and have and and before have said you know um, what happens in one week of camp is whatever youth pastor dreams would happen in a year of youth ministry. And for me, it's not, it's a privilege to see, um, I, it's a privilege for me to see students, specifically students who don't know Jesus, come to camp and be involved and experience the love of Jesus in the community, that way that it's expressed in, in the people and the leaders and the people who um, just pour in love and give everything and see them at the end of the week, share their story around camp. And this might be the kid who just has been the most infuriating human being you've ever met in your entire life. And then on Friday night, they get up, they share their testimony, and they tell of the deep wounds, the, the mess that they have come out of for a week that you know they're going back to the next day. And they've experienced Jesus. And... and I, I'm always, to see them come back the next year is always, always a treat and to kind of see and hear how, how it's gone. Um, but to, to see people who, in the mess of their lives, come experience Jesus in the way that I think the community of Jesus needs to be year-round, and we're people, we don't get it right, um, to have, see that happen in a week. Um, for me, I believe in that. And I, I, I always want to be a part of that. And I don't care exa- how exhausted, how tired I am. Um, because you remember when those kids share their stories. And whether it was because their cat died or whatever, they still experienced Jesus. Um, for me, uh, to win. <laughs> yeah, there's always one kid who shares some story about uh, a pet dying and then there's like eight more kids who also have had a pet die and mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to bring that train wreck back on yeah <laughs> back yeah, on. yeah it's like, all right let's get back on the rails <laughs> um can you share any camp memories or great spiritual moments that you have had at camp or that you've seen um in the lives of campers mm, good question great question um yeah so um, I think I've been at camp long enough now that the first, the first kids that um, were in my cabin are now adults. <laughs> and that I, I'm not super old, but it makes me feel a little bit older. And, uh, and I, so to see students have these experiences, these, these, um, so this isn't a story. This is another like, this is overgeneralized, but it, 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 it'll have to <laughs> fit the bill. Um, to have the relationships that I've had for five, no, six, seven years now, um, since I've started going to camp, and still have those relationships and still see them follow Jesus um, because of stuff and things and ways that Jesus has used camp to do and, and, and move in their lives. Um, for me, that has been the most amazing thing to, to see them still walking and to still have those relationships. Like now I'm able to be friends with some of these people. Um, 
So let me give you, let me give you one story. Um, there was, this was two years ago. Uh, we had a, we had a, we had a, 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 a counselor dropout pretty much last minute. And so we're scrambling to find this, this fill in. It was like for a guy's counselor. And so I asked one of the youth leaders uh, at my church uh, to see if he'd be willing to, to fill in. A guy named Ethan Ewing. And if you're listening, buddy, this, this is all you. Um, and he graciously was like, yeah, man, I'd totally be down. Love to. And, and he jumped in and he had probably one of the craziest cabins, like first time ever counseling. And he had one of those cabins. And, uh, and so they had, I think every time we had like cabin time, he dreaded it because they were just, they were a nightmare. And, uh, and, and so I think Thursday was a day we had, we had a little bit of extended, um, cabin time because we had to set up for a program or whatever. And he's telling us the story on, on Friday morning. And so he's telling us how he didn't know what to do. He was just toast done so tired so he's like let's just go down to the to the river and just like throw a rock do something like that um and so they do and he started telling us this conversations that he's starting having with these kids and and ethan is just he's explaining this and you begin to see like these tears form in his eyes and you're just kind of like hey where's this where's the story going and, and he had been discouraged like all week you know we have our checkups on in the mornings with our counselor they're telling stories and he's just He's just bummed. Like he's just had such a hard time. These kids have been difficult to connect with, to open up with. And he starts telling us of how, how he has this one kid in particular that's been kind of the, the hard one, uh, the difficult one, uh, the leader, if you will. And, and he starts saying how he starts pouring out his heart. I don't know, something about the river. When you're doing something together with your cabin that just gives space to start sharing because it's been safe. And Ethan's loved these kids for the whole week. Um, and all of a sudden he starts pouring out his soul and Ethan just come completely unprovoked. He asks him, would you love to live? Like, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And so Thursday at cabin time, the time that has been the most difficult time for Ethan this whole week, he gets to lead this kid to Christ at the river uh, in front of his whole cabin. And, and Ethan at this point is weeping. He's like, this is the first person I've ever been able to lead to Christ. And at that moment, I'm, I'm just, Jesus allowed somebody to drop off last second to put Ethan into this cabin to love these guys all week and lead this one kid to Christ. Right. Man, for me, that's camp. That's, that, that is camp. Um, faithfulness, obedience, transformation, man. All of that wrapped into one. That story for me just it just gets me going every time. That is exactly why we do camp. So beautiful, um, and yeah, that's just the. Um, I, I want to reiterate your um, like I was in youth ministry for twenty years, and I spoke at summer camp every single summer because for me, I could I could watch God move in in the five days or the six days, whatever the camp was. I could see him move so much more abundantly mm. than all year long, right? And, <laughs> and I'm like, I know how to do youth ministry, but um, God does incredible things at camp, right? That's such, that's <laughs> such, a, good, that's such a good point. And I've, uh, here's, here's something I'd like to do. 
one right. day yeah. is I'd love to do a study. Um, I'd love to do, and this, this, you know, put this in the podcast, you can't even want, but I'd love to do the sociology of like the Holy Spirit in a sense. So what about camp makes it the environment that it is? And, and I have some theories at this point, like I don't have anything concrete as to like what or why, but, but here, here is my, my best guess. Um, I, I do read Acts and I read the early early community of believers that the, 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 the church that, you know, would sell everything in order to, to provide for other people's needs to, to see like people come to know Jesus every single day. So here's, here's my, like in a, in a, like one line, my guess as to why camp is so effective as it is in doing and seeing the transformation that happens every single year is because the camp at its best is the closest thing we come to Jesus's model of the church meant to live, meant to be lived out outside of camp. So like if we can, if we as like camp workers, camp volunteers, students, etc., because if we can figure out, if we can not figure out, if we can get over the fear of living the way we do at camp at home in our lives, my guess is that we will see the spirit move similarly to the way we see him move at camp, but in our neighborhoods. Hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're very close to that. I, I do find, um, there's something magical, especially at Camp Camisol, mm-hmm. about having not only you've got you know a whole bunch of program team, you've got directors, you've got counselors, but you've also got this um, set of brilliant, experienced adults um, who who show up to serve in in the kitchen or in maintenance, and and they've got years and years of wisdom and and biblical knowledge and love um and i think that biblical community it's it's not just um it's not just young people pouring into campers it's Mm -hmm. generations pouring into leaders who are pouring into campers and Mm. yeah i think there's there's something about that specifically at camp camisole that um, I think you're correct. If we could see that lived out in the world, um, outside of the, the gate of Camp Camisol, God could do incredible things. Oh, man. That would be the dream, to see like the community of Camisol lived out in our neighborhoods so that when we go to camp, we're used to it in a sense. Like, how amazing right. would that be, right? I love that like camp is full of Stevens, like Stephen, who was basically, he, he was picked to serve food to the orphans and to the widows, full of the spirit, gives this amazing declaration before he's, uh, he's martyred. Like now, obviously we don't experience that <laughs> thankfully in North America, but like, but the people who serve food, the people who are maintenance, full of the spirit. And like you say, are full of wisdom and, 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 and I've just have this, this impact, this kingdom impact. It's not like just the glory positions, the, the counselors, the program, the directors, all of this. 
like the most, the, like the most amazing humans are the people who are the behind the scenes, but yet still full of the spirit and are faithful in what they do. Um, not to compare, but I think a lot of us at the end of seven days of camp feel as though we have been martyred. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when you spend all week cleaning toilets and um, oh, man. cleaning up after, and of course, when you've got junior high boys that don't necessarily know what deodorant is or a shower is. Or know um, how to flush. <laughs> or know how to flush. Yeah, that's... You may feel like um, like Stephen got off easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, somehow, everyone comes back and wants to pour their lives into it for another seven days. That's right. That's um, right. I, I love camp camisole because I've worked full summers of camp and you kind of have to like, you got to watch how much gas you spend. Sure. And you get one week of camisole, you go all out. I, I find that I'm, I'm as tired after one week of camisole as I was after a whole summer uh, oh, yeah. at another camp. That's so yeah, good. I've seen that. I have seen that. So um, give some thanks for encouragement for people who helped your spiritual walk while out at camp. Um, if you know their camp names or you know their real names, go ahead and, and drop the names in the podcast. It helps me a lot. Okay, yeah, I... I admittedly, so there are some people whose names I know, their camp names, <laughs> but forget their real names. And then there's others that I know their real names, but forget their camp names. So a few right off the bat, Les Bombernard and Don Bombernard, um, Bigfoot and, oh, Sunset. Um, those two have just like unconditionally loved. Like we, we do this encouragement card thing at our week where we have it on the wall and we just like, Everybody, every staff member has like a folder and we write and, and some of the stuff I get from Dawn, man, like she is just, she, her spirit, her, I think she's got the spiritual gift of encouragement. Um, the wisdom I've gotten from Les, Rocket, Aaron Bombernard, that whole clan, man, like just a privilege to sit and learn from him. He's, he's an expert at whatever he does. And, uh, and so just to sit and, and, and learn from Keith Lehaven, man, the guy, uh, again, I don't remember his camp name, but that guy just giving space for me to learn and grow um, at camp was instrumental um, to, mm -hmm. to my role in camp now, um, to the way that I see discipleship and uh, view it and, and how important it is. He spoke, whenever he spoke, it was with like just such authority, like this should just be the way it is. Um, we should just be living like this all the time. So why aren't we at home? Right. And just like in that way, that's so, so convicting. Um, I should have started with this person, but Nicole, my wife, Mr. Fire, um, she, she has, she's the reason I, I, I went to camp. Um, I wouldn't be sitting here on this mm. podcast if it wasn't for Nicole. Um, and so I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for her, her giftings, um, the way she has been a counselor, program staff and, and worship and, and the way that like she goes every week. So this is what would happen. She, uh, she would deal with like vocal notes and, and this is part of her story and this is be a great one to hear, but she, she had vocal notes, which basically meant it was like a, a blister or a callus on your vocal cords. She's got an amazing voice. She sings, she's. Just, an, uh, just a gifted musician leading in worship. 
Um, and so camp for her, I mean, it's exhausting, right? And, and it was always such a, like, it was kind of hard. It was kind of, it was, it was devastating because by Wednesday she'd have no voice and she's worship leading, right? Um, every week. And to see her stand up and continually lead worship, lead students and, and, and adults into the throne room of God with a raspy voice that's just, she's feeling every bit of that and still do that. And she's like my hero. Uh, I have so much to learn from her still. To see her give everything when there's nothing because of Jesus and to see Jesus continually moved and glorified. I could cry just thinking about that. So she's, she's my number one in so many ways, especially when it comes to camp. Um, to name a few others, uh, just, just the people who like the, the, the counselors that come every year, I could name, I could try to name all of them, but the ones that I've had the privilege of serving with, um, I, I just, I've had either been able to learn from or mentor um, counselors. You give yourselves every year and you have one of the most difficult jobs in the world um, because there are days and sometimes the whole week where you don't see any fruit of what energy you gave <laughs> to, to your kids, um, but you don't see the long-term fruit that you just love them no matter how they were or who they were or whatever they were. Um, and, and I just have so much respect for like repeat counselors. <laughs> true. That's true. I just want to um, give a, a shout out per se to campfire worship leaders. Um, mm-hmm. There is something so, so beautiful, romantic, magical about campfire worship when you've got mm. these campers probably by for most weeks it's monday night or at least tuesday night where they are just singing at the top of their lungs and the worship leaders are also just giving everything and you're in this um kind of dusk and darkness and stars um and the campfire is crackling like Mm. campfire worship is it feels like heaven mm-hmm. yeah. or what I imagine heaven should be. So yeah, to see, to see, um, to see students in like a reckless abandon, just worshiping Jesus. Um, that's, that is one of my favorite parts is just standing back behind everybody and just looking, just watching these, these people just give everything to Jesus. Yeah. So beautiful. Mm. Um, this uh, this question will mean more to you than some. Some people, they've only ever experienced Camp Camisol. But um, so what is significant or unique about Camp Camisol compared to other camps? Mm, it's, a, it's a fantastic question. Um, the beauty of camp, and, and I say like little c, not Camisol, is that uh, it's a saturated environment of the community of believers coming together for a designated amount of time to see the kingdom of God released in the next generation. L- love it. What's different about Camp Camisol is that people don't do it for the money. Now, granted, you don't go to camp 
for the money. Usually if you go to get paid as a paid staff, um, it's, it's not for the money, but, but I, here's what I'll say. And if anybody from any other campus listening, you can feel free to be offended. Um, but, but I find, I see Cam, <laughs> I see, I see Camp Camisol kind of, as I was saying earlier, full of Stevens, people who are like Steven, who come not for the glory, not for the money. Um, they come to serve, full of the Spirit, wanting to see people's lives change through whatever role that they have for one week a year. Sometimes, some, I know some people who go to three weeks, uh, and that's unreal, and bless you, I don't have that energy. Um, but because there is, there is, there is, I want to say something different about Camp Camisol that's different from the rest in that like there's that community of we're in this together for the kingdom. Now I know everybody other every other camp will say we are too and and absolutely 100% not a knock on you. But I do pump Camisol's tires because um they're they're not there to get paid. Like plain and simple. They're there for the kingdom. And, uh, and sometimes for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just a little shout out there. Yeah. Uh, so great. Uh, so why should our listeners continue to support Camp Camisol? That very reason. It's because <laughs> Camp Camisol is a place that people come out of the sacrifice of their time, their money. They're losing money being out of camp. Like you're taking a holiday. You're not, I mean, sometimes you get paid holiday, but oftentimes you don't. Um, so you're losing money being out there. Uh, energy and time to see the kingdom of God come in the next generation. So here's why, if you're listening and you sense God putting on your heart to give financially, energy, whatever that might be, um, is because when, when you do, what you are doing is my daughter's generation and her kids' generation will be impacted by what you gave at Camp Camisol. You will see reflected in the kingdom of heaven. You will see those people in heaven one day. And for me, that's enough. Why give is because I want to see students in glory one day. And, and Camisol is... He's one of the best ways I know how to do that. And that's a great answer. I'm going to throw another question um, at you. Mm-hmm. It's not in my little notes that I sent you, but one of the things that I absolutely love about Foothills Alliance Church is the, the partnership that we have as a camp. So mm-hmm. there are a few churches. There's actually six Alliance churches um, in Calgary that, choose to give to us monthly. Um, But one of the things that I absolutely appreciate about Foothills Alliance is you guys have set aside a portion of your actual missions fund um, to go to Camp Camisol. And it's it's a percentage every single year, whatever your missions fund is, we get that percentage. And I that is such an act of of faith and belief in our mission. And I thoroughly appreciate it. As a church, um, sometimes I've had where I sit down with elders boards and I sit down with elders and kind of explain 
how a partnership with the summer camp works. And for us, especially with something like Foothills, where I've got uh, Andrew and Nicole Berg coming out for a week of camp, um, it's very easy to see the partnership. But from, from a youth pastor and even from your young adult's perspective, what does the partnership actually look like um, mm. at camp? It's a long-term partnership. So it, it uh, is more than the week. So what I mean by that is oftentimes, uh, being the youth pastor, I know a few volunteers and, uh, and so coming out and that, and like, that's the story, like the story I told about Ethan, like he was one of our youth leaders. So I have a few people to draw from in terms of engagement and volunteer and and giving uh, in that way to camp, um, our partnership. And the beauty about that is often then we pump it at our youth ministry. So we get a lot of our students to come out to camp as well. So, and we, we, we do get the odd student that comes to camp who then learns about Foothills and comes to our youth ministry through that. So the partnership is, is multifold in that one, we, we have, we have long-term relationship in that, like I'm familiar often with the staff that comes out at our week because I work with them year round. And I know where they're at. I know where they're at spiritually. I know where they're at emotionally. I know where they're at, you know, story-wise, all of that. And that's a huge gift um, and in being able to coach and mentor and, and, and teach um, how to, you know, engage, be a disciple maker of Jesus. Um, then the other is that uh, the follow-up. So the kids that are in those counselors camps or, or cabins um, or on, like at that week, in particular because they're on program staff, whatever, um, then have that same face that showed them Jesus at camp now shows them Jesus on a, in, in normal life. And for, for me personally, that's one of the things that I missed the most growing up was I would have this like, you know, the camp, spiritual high, everybody talks about it. But I didn't get to see a lot of the people that I saw lead, you know, community, other students who were you know, I had that Christian community outside because I just like where I live, small town, all of that. Um, didn't get that. And, and that's such a gift in that it's like the edification of the body is in seeing other people doing this together, like praying the Lord's Prayer. We're not just supposed to pray it by ourselves. We're supposed to do this together. We're supposed to do the Christian mm-hmm. life together. And so one of the great ways that we can partner with that is we foster that through students and leaders um and uh and then the other is is sometimes you get those people who uh just in connecting and knowing other youth pastors and maybe you need a staff position filled last minute you get the joy of meeting new people and and having a and being able to learn from them being able to speak into their lives and and having an impact uh in the greater calgary area in the greater alberta area or you know beyond because i i got a friend who uh cam hutchinson who who's dying a little bit because he he had the chance he he could have maybe come to camp this year he's a youth pastor out in bc um now but he we we roped him in a couple years ago because he was my one of my summer summer students and we just made it part of his job description (laughs) Uh, and he he fell in love with camp uh and so you've got this ripple effect um that that you know, it's not just Calgary. It's not just Alberta. It's all of Canada. And, and my pastor, my, my lead pastor, Ian Trigg, 
that's probably a big reason why we have this financial partnership is because that's where Jesus changed his life. Camp Camisol. He'll mm. tell that story. I've heard that story so many times. And, you know, it's a great story. Uh, but it's a testimony to, to Camisol, the generational impact that it has. Um, it's just, yeah, it's huge. So uh, does that answer your question? Uh, it's, it's perfect. And I have heard also, I've heard Ian um, say that a number of times, one of the boldest statements I heard is, I, I think he says, um, or I will quote it and misquote it probably poorly, but he says, if you are a Christian parent and you want your kids to be successful and meet Jesus, you have to send them to summer camp. And <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I love that statement because um, I fully, completely believe that you've got to send your kids to camp. Uh, that's where God gets a hold of teenagers and that's where God gets a hold of kids um, and that's where they move from the, the parents' faith to their own faith um, and, and that's a beautiful thing any parting shots as we, as we kind of end this thing is there anything where you're like I wish we'd talked about this or uh, yeah. any thoughts that you have final words for us Sure. I got, I think I got, I got one. Um, if you've never been involved in camp or if you've been involved in camp once, or you've been there for 30 plus years, um, I just want to say thank you. Um, because indirectly, um, you have impacted my own life for, for in my, my fellowship of Jesus. You've shown me what it means to be faithful with what you have. And, and I, I don't want to speak on Jesus' behalf, but through what you have done at camp, I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, so I just say thank you um, to everyone and anyone who's ever been involved at camp, um, whether you did it once, hated it, never did it again. Um, you still, you still, you had an impact. And so thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Camp Camisol Family Reunion Podcast. If this episode has inspired you, please share it with your friends. Please continue to pray for the ministry of Camp Camisol and the best way to support us financially is through setting up a monthly donation on canadahelps.ca. Thank you for listening.